Matthew 4, 18 through 22. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw, everybody say saw, two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you, keyword make you, fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. I guess his name was Zebedee only. Mending their nets. He called them, and immediately, everybody say immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. My first point this evening, now i got five things I want to share with you that I get out of this text. Jesus first called the disciples. Now, I'm talking to you. Jesus called you. Are you with me? You guys okay tonight? We need, we need to get Vince up here dancing again. Come on now. But let me tell you, he calls everyone. He calls everyone. When the Bible says saw in verse 18... It means to know. So in other words, when God sees us, he knows the messes we're in. He knows the troubles that we've been through. He knows everything our mind is thinking. He knows all the mess that we've done, all the hurt, all the pain. But he still called you and I. He still called us no matter. See, sometimes we think we're not good enough to be used by God. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's the lure that I'm talking about, Satan. He, he throws these things, this doubt, this fear. No, 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 no. Let me tell you, if God calls you, he calls you because he knows you. He knows you. So don't ever think you're not uh, uh, ready to serve. He will make you, just like he made the disciples. See, many commentaries say that Jesus calls the motivated and the family-oriented, but I don't believe that. See, some of these commentators think that nice people that never fight with their spouses get called. Anybody married here? Did you ever fight with your spouse? I'm not talking about drag-out fights. I'm just talking arguments. Well, God called you. See, they think that if you abuse yourself with illicit drugs, God can't use you. If you've ever been locked up, God can't use you. They think you, you can't even break a plate. See, do you know some denominations would not let you and I even usher? I remember going to the Philippines when we first went. And we're there. We were called to share our ministry and testimony a little bit at this church. Now, I gave the watered-down version of my life. You know, I didn't tell about the bad stuff because I didn't know these people. But the pastor got up and he said, thank God we're not like them. Can you imagine that? And I started saying, thank God I'm not like you. Because I thank God that he's using me the way he is. See, my Bible says that many are called, but few are chosen. The difference is the chosen line themselves up with the call of God upon their life. In other words, when you hear the voice of God, you hear the call of God, you position yourself. 
you position yourself in prayer, in study, worshiping, and getting all these things together, your devotion time, everything, you're positioning yourself so when God speaks, you can hear. But then you got to obey. See, that's the difference. A lot of people hear, but then they say, See, these people that Jesus called, they weren't leaders, they weren't teachers, they weren't rich, they weren't famous. The most significant thing about them was their insignificance. That was the most significant thing about them. Everybody looked down on them. Can anybody here relate to that? But let me tell you something. When God gets a hold of your life and you begin to do what God called you to do, you're sitting down with mayors. You're sitting down with vice presidents. You're sitting down with people in power. Why? Because God is in your life. It doesn't matter where you came from. It matters where you're going. Amen? See, their greatness was not in their ability, but in their availability. That's where your greatness is. Showing up, being ready. Yes, sir, what do you want me to do? If pastor says something, yes, here I am. I'm ready. Even if I'm not, I'm going to get ready. Amen? Don't make excuses. See, most of us feel like Moses did. Lord, I'm slow of speech. Oh, that's a good one. We all use that one. You know, I like what Pastor Sonny Jr. said. He couldn't even order pizza on the phone. I was the same way. In class, in school, I would never raise my hand. I would freak out. I remember Pastor Steve said, okay, Daryl, stand up and testify. Man, I thought I was going to drop dead. I said, I thank God for my salvation. I sat down, and he said, man, of a few words. (laughs) But I was freaking out. I remember my first Bible study in the home. I had it all, they made me do it. I didn't want to do it. They made me do it. I had it all written out. I read everything like this. And then I said, amen, ran away. Because I was freaking out. But when God calls you, I said, when God calls you, you come out of yourself. And you begin to be the man or the woman that God has called you to be. Are you with me tonight? See, when did Jesus ever say, can you? He never said that. Will you? That's what Jesus says. Will you do my will? See, he never asked the disciples to draw people into nets. He said, be fishers of men. What does that mean? It means to get into their life one-on-one. That's being a fisher of men. Are you with me? John 6, 44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Are you with me? See, they were not religious leaders. Sometimes religion does exactly the opposite of what God wants to do. Because they get caught up in traditions of man. They get caught up in procedure. Well, we come on in time and we do this and then we pick up the RV and and they get caught up in doing things that way. That's why I love this church. That's why I love Victory Outreach. We're not caught up in it. You might get an altar call in the beginning. You, don't, you never know what we're going to do. Amen? Because we're not caught in religion. It'll kill you. See, these guys were just normal guys. Deep down in their hearts, they knew there was something more, though. See, you have to understand, have to understand that God, 
has something more for your life. And I believe that deep down in the heart of every man and woman, we know that. Because we see creation. You know, today I had a, a call from a guy, my oldest friend. I've known him since fourth grade. And he's still alive, praise the Lord. But today he called, I've been talking to him and, you know, trying to, you know, easily, you know, not jam him, that kind of stuff. But I just be a light to him. And he just had some bad news health-wise. He goes, I didn't know who else to call, so I called you. I needed a man of the cloth, he called me. <laughs> okay, I got a shirt. But I had an opportunity to minister to my friend who I haven't seen in years. But we have talked on Facebook and phone and stuff like that. So I had an opportunity to minister to his life. And see, that's what it's all about, fishers of men. We're not done with our conversation, by the way. Amen? See, secondly, Jesus gave a command to follow me. It's not a request. It's not an offer. It means you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. You can't just come to church and follow Christ. Just because you're here doesn't mean you're following Christ. It's not a one-time thing. See, the act of God saving us is once and for all, but the effort to follow never stops. It never stops because we have to continue to follow. If we stop following, that means we're going away from him. See, we are called to be like him. Why do you think we're all growing beards now? I just woke up one morning and prayed and said, oh, I got a beard. Cool. See, in other words, he's saying, follow me closely. See, when you get close to somebody, you keep following them, you love them with all your heart, soul, and strength, you become like that person. And that's being Christ. That's what I'm talking about, Christ. Amen? But are you available to follow in a new direction? Because God will take you in different ways. See, we try to put God in a box and say, well, God always does this, and he works like that, and this is how it has to go. But no, no, that's not how God is. God will take you and give you a left turn sometimes. Or he'll give you a right turn. He might even tell you to go over there. That happened with us. We didn't know, you know, we thought, okay, I'm going to die in the Philippines. That's cool, you know. But then God says, nah, got another plan. Boom. But see, some people don't like to take those detours. And if it doesn't work out the way you think it's going to work out, all of a sudden, you get mad and you stop following. Why is it so quiet in here? Somebody thinking that? See, he said, follow me. See, are you so busy with your life? And I mean, no, we got a lot of things going on. That you have to make an appointment for God? See, if you have to make an appointment, then you're not following God. Because if you follow him, you're available all the time. Your voice is attentive to his voice. I mean, your ears are attentive to his voice. And you're going to follow him. You're going to hear him. You're going to listen to him. Because he'll speak to you throughout the day if you're close. If you're close. But you've got to stay close. Follow me only. It's not a question of following. We all have to follow someone or something. Do we follow the world? It's passing away. You follow that, you're going to lose. Sometimes we follow our hearts. 
But the Bible says it's wicked and deceitful. Sometimes we follow modern ideas. Listen, there's nothing new under the sun. Look what they're trying to teach our kids in school. I was watching the news today, and you know, the LBGTQ, I don't even know what the Q is. But now they had a long one. It had like 13 letters. I'm like, what the heck is that? So the guy said, do you even know what that means? He goes, no. <laughs> Nobody. But they have all these weird things going on, new age stuff. And it tries to creep into the church. Are you with? That's a lie and the bait of the devil trying to, to deceive us. See, sometimes we say, well, I'm going by my gut feeling. That might just be some late night pizza, you know. <laughs> you got a stomach ache, man. Don't follow that. Hello. He said, follow me wholeheartedly with your whole heart. See, Jesus demands selflessness. He deserves sacrificial and passionate followers. You know, we sang that song, you deserve it. But do we really believe that? Does he, does he deserve our life? I think he does. I mean, think back. Think back where you were before. Everything you have, everything you've attained, even your bright mind. Some of us smoke so much PCP, we shouldn't even be thinking right now. And you know it's true. Amen? Or whatever our thing was. Bad livers, all these different things, all the stuff that creeps into our lives. But we're still here. We're still breathing. Be grateful for that. And he deserves your best. God, God doesn't accept second best. He never did. It's always the first fruit, and you're a first fruit. I was going to talk about money, but I'm not because, you know, God just put it in my spirit. So you're a Christian, a follower of Christ, but are you serious? Are you seriously followed? Are you a holdout or a sold out? When Cortez landed at Veracruz in 1519 to begin his conquest of Mexico, he had a small force of 700 men. He, he lit all the ships. He had 11 ships. He lit them on fire. His men on the shore watched their only means of retreat sinking to the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico. With no means of retreat, there was only one direction to move, forward into the Mexican interior to meet whatever might come their way. Have you burned the past? Are, are you, you do leave something behind that you could turn around and go back to? Or have you said, no, I'm burning all that stuff. There's only one way I can go, and that's forward. That's forward. I remember being in the home. I messed up in the home. I want to tell you the truth. I messed up one time, and I got loaded. And I should have got kicked out of the home, but they had grace and mercy on me. But I felt like Peter when Peter denied Christ. I weeped, weeped, weeped for three days. I did not come out of that room crying because I hurt my Savior. I repented. And that same day that I finally came out of that room, I took my black book and I burned it outside and got scriptures. For starting fires. <laughs> but it was the greatest fire I ever started. You got to burn that past. You got to burn it. 
So what does Jesus have to burn in your life? What do you hang, what, what's holding you back from following wholeheartedly? Whatever it is, you've got to let God burn it. Amen? He said, follow me no matter what. No matter what. See, they didn't know their destination. They didn't know the outcome. They didn't understand what was taking place. Kind of like Abram. In Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Will make you a great, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And you, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abram had a promise. But I don't think it was fulfilled the way Abram thought it was going to be fulfilled. Did he expect all his seed to be in Egypt for 400 years? I don't think so. He probably thought, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and go this direction. God said, go this way, and everything's going to fall into place, and I'll see it in my lifetime. But that's not what happened. All his descendants were, were locked up, or not really locked up, but they were in slavery in Egypt. I don't think he expected the taskmasters of Egypt. But will you follow no matter what? In your pruning process, when God's taking things out of your life, when he's dealing with you, when leaders are dealing with you, are you going to take it because it's best for you? Because if you don't do that, you're going to fall away. How about when your body betrays you and all of a sudden you find out you've got all these things wrong with you and you blame God? No, no, no. You have to still follow God. Or your children are rebelling. And all of a sudden you think God's not real because my children gave me a promise but my children messed up. Let me tell you something. God's promises are true and they're real. I lost my son when he was five years old. But right now he's serving God. He's serving God because God is faithful. Even if I'm not in the picture, God is faithful. Now I'm in the picture. Amen? Or your children are sick or disabled. Do you blame God or you just move forward and believe God for miracles? you got to follow God. Will you follow no matter what? See, number three, Jesus gave them a purpose. The purpose was to be fishers of men. A new direction and a new purpose. In other words, the stakes were higher. Now souls were in the balance. The world was in the balance. We have to understand that is the call that we have in Victory Outreach. Souls are hanging in the balance. Let us not get too comfortable. It's easy to get puitis and sit there and enjoy the scene, enjoy the music and the worship and everything in the preaching. But let me tell you, this is not what it's all about. This is for equipping. Then all of a sudden, we got to take it out. See, we have an opportunity to end this year pretty and start the new one pretty because we're doing shotgun twice. At the end and the beginning, you can't beat that. You can't beat that. We're in a season of winning souls. Are you with me? The stakes are high we got to start going after the big ones, the barracudas. 
We're getting the minnows allowed. We've got to get the barracudas. When we start winning those barracudas, they're going to bring the whole school. I'm fish terms, amen? <laughs> because barracudas, man, they, they, they bring a school with them. You get the top ones, the Nikki Cruises. You get those kind of guys. The Art Blahoses. Amen? The Greg Martinez's. He's crazy too. Amen? And I don't think you'll mind me saying that because he knows it's true. But we got to go after them for our sake and their sake. We have to be like him to care for the lost, to seek and draw them in. Matthew 10, 24 and 25. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. See, to seek and save the lost. That's what it's all about. Then discipleship comes in, but first we've got to get them. First we've got to get them. But sometimes we have a question, why me? Why would God choose to use people like you and I? Because he'll get all the glory. We're nobodies. We're nobodies. And when God uses us and raises us up, he gets all the glory because we understand we don't deserve any of it. We're not all that. We know that. We're not all that educated and rich and silver spoon in the mouth. No, we're not that. But we are children of God. We are children. We're royalty, man. Know who you are in Christ. See, their response, number four, was immediately. It was immediately. Immediately they left their nets even unmended. What nets do you need to leave? What is getting in the way of you serving God, following God, responding to God? You know, sometimes we like to make excuses why we can't move here, we can't do this, we can't do that. We make excuses. Some say no. Some say maybe. Matthew eight nineteen through 22 says, Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Are you going to have criteria before you follow God? When God calls you, are you going to say, well, I got to do this first. I got to do that first. Oh, I got all this to do first. I want to go to the mission field, but, you know, I got bills, I got children, I got... You got criteria. See, when God calls you, man, you got to move immediately. You can't wait because souls are dying every single day. The longer we wait, the more that are dying. When God says move, you got to move. See, when you're following close and he's moving, you're moving with him. Wherever he goes, even if he hides behind the piano, yes, Lord. Wherever he goes. Amen? God told me to sing, so I'm going to sing. Just kidding. Luke 9, 61 to 62. 
And another also said, Lord, I will follow you. But sometimes we've got to get those buts out of our mouth. I'll follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Will you hesitate when God calls you? Are you going to hesitate? Say, well, boy, I gotta, I, there's too much hesitation, not enough action. See, some say yes, but they do nothing. Yes, Lord, I'll follow you, but they don't do anything. Many say yes, but don't do much. They follow at a distance. They can't even keep up with what God is doing in the ministry. Kind of like Peter when Jesus went to the cross. Matthew 26, 57 and 58. And those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard. And he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. So you got to be ready. If you're going to follow Christ, you got to be ready to stand with him until the end, no matter the cost. No matter the cost. And that brings me to my last point, moving quick. A cost must be paid. A cost must be be paid. You got to be sold out. But are you a holdout? See, to follow him, they left their families. They said, you know what? I, right now, I love my family. I love them so much, I'm going to follow Christ. Sometimes we have it backwards. And we say, well, I love my family. I can't follow Christ because I love them more. No, 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 no. Backwards. If you love your family, you're going to be a Christian. You're going to be Christ-like, and you're going to be that salt that gives them thirst. And things are going to change within your family because now you can stand on the promises of God. See, sometimes we think we can, we can ask God for healing and miracles and signs and wonders, but we're not following close. We're not paying the price. Sometimes you've got to leave all to get all. They left their jobs. They said, you know what? Jesus is calling me, man. I can't worry about this little old job. God's got greater things in store. Great things. A job's a job. Yeah, fine. If you're working, fine. Don't quit your job. I'm not saying that. But if God calls you to go to the mission field, or God calls you to go somewhere, go. Go. You're going to be blessed. You know, when I went to the Philippines, God changed my outlook on everything. Everything, I had was a turning point in my Christianity. Things just, I looked at things differently. It revolutionized my walk with God. I, I believe that everybody should take a mission trip. I really believe that with all my heart. Because when you go to a third world country or a developing country, things change in your life. You see how spoiled we are. You know what the children do? They make their own toys. They find bottle caps. Different things, pieces of wood, and they have fun. Our kids want Nikes. I got some Jordans, man, but I didn't buy them. They came from Andre Ward, praise the Lord, for Andre Ward. <laughs> I think all of us are wearing them right now. But God is good. 
we got these because we're standing in the presence of God. I can't pay for these. I usually go for like the $20 shots, you know. I don't think I've bought new shoes in a long time. So God knew my need. Amen. They left their possessions. They said, ah, I'm going to leave my boats. I'm going to leave everything. I don't need it because I'm following Christ. I'm going to be a fisher of men. Fisher of men. Don't get caught up in stuff, guys. Especially, I'm going to tell you guys in the home, don't get caught up in stuff. It diverts you from what God has in your life. It'll, it'll take you away if you start loving that stuff more than God. Very important. Because it will draw you away. And pretty soon you start missing church. Pretty soon you say, oh, I don't have enough to pay my tax because I got this car bill. I got this insurance bill. I got Cut it out. Don't live above your means. See, it cost their lives as they knew them. They were never the same again, and neither was the world. Neither was the world. Because of the sacrifices they made, we're here today. If it wasn't for them, if it wasn't for Pastor Steve and Pastor Sonny, Pastor Ed, even Pastor Larry, we wouldn't be here today. See, they sacrificed everything because they love Jesus so much that they said, you know, I'm willing to do whatever he says. You know, we look at Pastor Sonny, but we forget the, the price he paid. He, was, he wasn't always on easy street. And right now, he's got a lot of the demons trying to take him out. You better believe that. But he struggled in the beginning. He had a hard time in the beginning. But that's the price. That's the cost. Matthew 19, 27 through 30. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me, that means you, will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. As AJ comes to the keyboard, I want to share a little story I read. Wilbur Reese was writing this with sarcasm, okay? And he said this, he wrote this. I would like to buy $3 worth of God. Please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm, warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a black man or pick beats with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want about a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. See, some of us come to this altar week after week, month after month, and even year after year, and all we want is three bucks. We settle for $3 worth of God. And God says, I have so much more for you. 
If only you'll, you'll give it all up. You'll surrender to me. Don't walk away with $3. God has eternal glory for you. Eternal glory. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. You know, I, I say this with great conviction. I'm not where I need to be either. I need more. I need more. This ministered to me. I pray it ministered to you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Let's do a worship song right now.